there, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37, and let's read from verse 5 as we begin. Genesis 37, verse 5, it says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. Let's commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you once again that, Lord, we can be here today, that we can gather and spend time together around your word. I pray, Lord, that as we continue to study uh, the book of Genesis and in particular the life of Joseph this morning, that you would speak to each of our hearts, you would teach us, instruct us through your word. Lord, I pray that you would empower me this morning uh, through the Holy Spirit. You give me wisdom and guidance to speak. That, Lord, it would indeed be your words and your thoughts. And that, Lord, this morning you would bless us and refresh us by your word. And, Lord, that we would leave singing your praises and giving <coughs> all glory and honor unto your name. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, last Sunday we uh, considered uh, Jacob's preference of Joseph. Uh, which we saw there in verse 3 and 4, where it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And so we considered um, his preference of Joseph, and we saw that the preference, uh, the love that he had for him, was not simply because he was the son of Rachel. It was not simply because he was born when he was old, but rather it was because Joseph was a son of old age to him. Uh, the idea that he was a wise or prudent son. And in particular, that wisdom was seen in his godly wisdom. Okay? And the fact that he stood up against sin at the end of verse 2 there, where he brought unto his father the evil report of his brothers. He hated sin. And we talked about how the fear of God is demonstrated by a hatred of sin. And so Joseph feared God, and of course that is the beginning of wisdom. He was a man of godly wisdom. And it was this that set Joseph apart from his brothers. You know, his brothers had demonstrated only carnality. But Joseph feared the Lord. And so it was for this reason that Jacob showed preference unto Joseph. And he demonstrated that preference by giving to him that coat of many colors. And we looked at those words in the Hebrew and we saw that it was talking about a, a coat or tunic that is long-sleeved and long-hemmed. And it's a coat... Uh, that signified rank, authority, position. And so by giving this to Joseph, Jacob was declaring that Joseph was to receive the birthright. He was declaring this unto the rest of the family. And of course, the reaction of his brothers was uh, to be expected in verse 4. It says, And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. You know, this upset the brothers. They hated Joseph even more and they couldn't speak peacefully. They couldn't even say, hello, uh, peace be to thee. And they felt, of course, that it was unfair that they'd been passed over, that this honor had been given to Joseph. But as we saw, considering their evil character, it is no surprise that Jacob chose Joseph. They showed preference under him. And this morning now, as we continue in the chapter, and we continue in this section of the passage, 
We see that the chapter continues to develop the reasons for the anger and the hatred that the brothers felt towards Joseph. Now, they already hated Joseph because, their, uh, because he brought unto their father the evil report, verse 2. They hated him even more because he was uh, favored by their father, preferred by their father, verse 4. And now we see that their hatred and their anger is brought to a boiling point as Joseph shares with the family his dreams. And so this morning we want to focus our attention on these two dreams that Joseph receives and the reaction, or the reactions I should say, to his dreams. And so first of all here this morning, we see the revelation of the dreams. The revelation of the dreams. And just look with me there in verse 6. It says, And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also, uh, and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheaf. And then if you drop down to verse 9, we see his second dream. It says, And he dreamed yet another dream, and told of his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, <clears throat> the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. So here we see the revelation of these two dreams, the two dreams that Joseph receives from the Lord. And it's clear that these are not just ordinary dreams, okay? They're not just ordinary dreams. These are dreams that are prophetic, okay? And we know that because we know the end of the story, don't we? Okay? These are prophetic dreams dreams given to Joseph by the Lord. So it's, it's direct revelation from God to Joseph. Not only concerning his future, but it's also a future that affects his family as well, isn't it? This revelation from God that affects him and his family. Now, of course, we know the dreams well. In the, the first dream there in verse 7, we see Joseph and his brothers. They're in the field. They're laboring in the harvest gathering together the, the sheaves. And as Joseph looks, he sees his sheaf stand upright and his brother's sheaves are all round about and they make obeisance unto his sheaf or they bow down to his sheaf. And of course, the meaning of the dream is obvious, isn't it? Okay, we know this passage well, we know this story well. But even if we didn't, the meaning of the dream is very clear, very obvious. You know, sometime in the future his brothers would bow down before him. That's the obvious interpretation of the dream. That's what the dream means. Joseph sometime in the future would be raised to a position of authority and they would humbly come before him and they would make obeisance unto him. They would bow down before him and, and acknowledge his position of authority. And then, of course, the second dream in verse 9 is very similar, isn't it? Except now it involves the, the heavenly bodies. Let's just read verse 9 again. It says, And he dreamed yet another dream, and told of his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. So the second dream is basically the exact same dream, except now you have the heavenly bodies in the dream. Joseph sees the, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars come before him and make obeisance on him, bow down, acknowledging his rank, his authority. And again, the meaning is simple and clear, isn't it? Okay? Not only would one day his eleven brothers, the eleven stars, 
recognize his authority and bow down before him, show obeisance. But also one day his parents, the sun and the moon, would bow down, show obeisance to him. Now, of course, Joseph's mother, Rachel, is already dead by this stage. And so the moon here, we could say, represents Leah, okay, or perhaps one of the other stepmothers, okay, the concubines. But really, the specifics are not important, are they? You see, the point of the story, the point of the, sorry, the point of the dream is that the whole family would come under his authority. That's the point of the dream, okay? The point of the dream is that the whole family is going to one day come under his authority and they're going to acknowledge his authority, his rank, his position. And so both dreams that Joseph receives here are regarding the exact same idea, the, exact, the, the same future events. And the second dream is given to Joseph, really, it, it serves, if you like, to confirm and strengthen the truth of the first dream. Okay? He's given a revelation by God in the first dream, and it's confirmed with the second dream, isn't it? Okay? It's confirmed. And it confirms to him the fact that this is from God. Okay? It confirms that this is a prophetic truth that will come to pass. We see this idea of a dream being doubled or repeated to confirm prophetic truth later on. Just go to Genesis chapter 41. <clears throat> In Genesis 41, verse 32, we read this. It says, And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, Genesis chapter 41, this is in reference to Pharaoh's dreams, okay? When uh, Joseph is later on, of course, down in Egypt, Pharaoh has these two dreams, and he has two very similar dreams, except there's a different subject in each. The first dream has the, the subject of the cattle or the kine, and the second dream, the subject is the ears of corn. But the dreams are very similar, aren't they? Almost exactly the same. And in verse 32 here, we see that Joseph declares to Pharaoh that the dream was doubled to confirm to him that it was established by God. You see that? Verse 32, it says, And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Joseph says to Pharaoh, he says, The reason the dream was doubled is to confirm that it's established by God. This is a surety. It's going to happen. God is going to bring it to pass. You see, the same thing happens here for young Joseph, doesn't it? As a 17-year-old, the Lord gives him these two very similar dreams in a short space of time, and it confirms to him the prophetic truth of the dreams, doesn't it? Just in case with the first one he wasn't quite sure, the Lord gives it to him a second time, and the Lord is confirming the prophetic truth of these dreams, confirming that it is established by God, it will come to pass. That's the point here. That's why he receives two very similar dreams. And indeed, these dreams were fulfilled, weren't they? We know the story. They were fulfilled in God's perfect timing. Some 20-odd years later, Joseph would be raised to being second in command over all of Egypt. And his brothers would come looking to buy grain from Egypt. And in Genesis 42 and chapter 43, we see his brothers come and they make obedience before Joseph. 
just turn over there and read it. Genesis 42. <clears throat> Genesis 42, verse 6. <clears throat> it says, And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And then chapter 43 as well, and verse 26. It says, And when Joseph came home, <clears throat> they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house, and they bowed themselves uh, to him to the earth. And he asked them of their welfare and said, Is your father well? The old man of whom you spake, is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant, our father, is in good health. He is yet alive. And they bowed down their, their heads and made obeisance. Chapter 42 and 43. We see the fulfillment of this dream in God's perfect timing. His 11 brothers all came before him, acknowledging his authority, his rank, and made obeisance before him. And then in chapter 47, we see that Joseph's whole family came under his authority. Genesis 47, <clears throat> verse 11. This is when uh, Jacob has come now down to Egypt. It says, And Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them a possession of the land of Egypt in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded, and Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread according to their families. The point is that when Jacob came down, brought all the family down to Egypt, they were under whose authority? Under Joseph's. They were under his care, his authority, even his father, his parents. The whole family acknowledged his authority, acknowledged his position. The dreams that God gave Joseph as a 17-year-old were perfectly fulfilled in God's perfect timing. You see, it was an established thing and God's word was proven to be true. And you know, the reason why God gave Joseph these dreams when he was 17 is clear, is it not? Joseph was about to embark upon a very difficult time in his life and God prepares him with these dreams. You see, oftentimes I think when we focus on Genesis 37, and I've done it, we look at this and we focus on the reaction to the dreams, don't we? We don't even stop to consider why did God give Joseph these dreams? What's the reason for this, this wonderful revelation? Why does God do this? God's preparing Joseph for what lays ahead. You see, these dreams revealed to Joseph that God had a plan for his life, didn't it? It revealed to him that God has a plan, God has a purpose. And knowing this would give him strength for everything he was about to face. I mean, not long after this, he's about to be taken by his brothers and thrown in a pit. He's then going to be sold into slavery. He's going to go down into Egypt, be sold to Potiphar and work in his house. He's then going to be falsely accused and end up in prison. All these things are about to happen and God knows it's about to happen. And indeed, God knows the revelation of the dreams will lead to it happening. Okay. But God knows it's all about to happen, and so God gives him this wonderful revelation to prepare him, to help Joseph understand that God is in control and God has a purpose, God has a plan to everything that's happening to him throughout the next 20-odd years. You see, we often talk about Joseph's faith during those years, don't we? And we talk about his wonderful trust in the Lord, and no matter how terrible the circumstances became, he continued to trust in God. But his trust and his faith was founded upon something, wasn't it? 
It was founded upon his knowledge of God, okay, the fear of God, which we've already seen, but it was also founded upon the word of God, wasn't it? What God had revealed to him. Joseph knew God had said he was going to end up there, and so Joseph knows that's where all these things are heading. He doesn't understand it, but he knows where God's taking him. You see, if Joseph had only been looking at the circumstances through all those years, he would have despaired of all hope, wouldn't he? He's only human, like the rest of us. He would have despaired of all hope. But Joseph looked beyond the circumstances to his God, didn't he? He looked beyond the circumstances. He looked to his God. He looked to the word that God revealed to him, and he knew God had a plan for his life. There was a plan he didn't fully understand, but he knew that it would result in him being exalted, and it would result with him being reunited with his family. That must have given him comfort through all those years. He must have kept referring back to these dreams and going, well, God, you said this is going to happen, so I'm trusting you. I'm relying upon you. You see, Joseph had confidence in the word of God and the God of the word. You know, there's a lesson in this for all of us, isn't there? Because you see, like Joseph, we have the revealed will of God, don't we? It's the word of God in our possession. God's revealed to us his plan, his purpose for this world, for um, the mankind. God has revealed these things unto us. We know how it's all going to end, don't we? We've been given that, that glimpse. Revelation tells us how it's going to end. And see, beloved, we can know with confidence that God's word will come to pass, just like Joseph. Matthew 5, just turn over quickly. Matthew 5 and verse 18. <clears throat> Matthew 5 and verse 18. It says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle, shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Love, we know that God's word will be fulfilled. And therefore, let us look beyond our present circumstances. No matter how terrible they may seem, let's look beyond our circumstances and look at God. God who is seated on his throne and God will bring his word to pass in his perfect timing. You see, if we have our eyes upon the Lord like Joseph and we realize that, it gives us that strength, that confidence, that faith through those years, does it not? That's where Joseph found the strength. It was in the word of God and the God of the word. And beloved, we have to do the same. We have to look beyond our present circumstances, no matter how terrible they may seem, and look to our God, who is on his throne, and he's already told us how it's all going to end. He's in control, and he will bring his word to pass. And so we see the revelation of the dreams and why God gave him these dreams. Let's now secondly look at the reaction to the dreams. The reaction. <clears throat> Let's look in verse 5. It says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it, to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. And having received this revelation from the Lord, we see that Joseph, he feels compelled to share this revelation with his family. As we just read there in verses 5 and 6, he, verse 6 he says, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. He feels compelled. He wants to tell them 
what he's dreamed. He wants to tell them what God's revealed to him. In verse 9 as well it says, And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren. He feels compelled to reveal both dreams unto them. Now before we consider their reaction to the dream, let's quickly address the reason why he tells them. Why does Joseph reveal these dreams unto his brothers and to his father? You see, Joseph's motives here have been questioned by many. It's a place where people accuse him of things. You know, some have suggested that he told his family here the dreams out of pride. You know, he was already puffed up because he'd been chosen by his father to receive the birthright, and now full of youthful pride, he speaks these dreams under his brothers and he rubs it in their faces. And that is the accusation many lay against him, that it's pride that motivates this. But that doesn't fit with what we've already learned about Joseph, does it? It doesn't fit with what we know, that he's a man who fears God, a man of godly wisdom, who has been exalted by his father and given the birthright because of his godly wisdom, his godly character. It doesn't fit then to see here pride, and indeed it's reading into the passage something that's not there. Others have tried to suggest that he told them these dreams in ignorance, not knowing what the dreams actually meant. One commentator wrote this, wrote this, he said, he told the dreams in the simplicity of his heart, not understanding them or imagining that there was any meaning in them. But again, this seems highly unlikely, does it not? Considering the fact that Joseph is, as I said, a man who's fearing the Lord and he's full of godly wisdom, how could he not understand these dreams that God has given to him? These very simple, very plain and easy to understand dreams. And his brothers understood them and his father understood them. Are we meant to understand that Joseph is so simple he can't understand them? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit with the passage. So why then does Joseph reveal these dreams? Why does he do this? As I was thinking about this week and talking to pastors as well, I think that the way to simply understand this easiest is put yourself in Joseph's shoes. If we put ourselves in Joseph's shoes, I think we can find the simple answer. You know, if the Lord revealed to us in a dream something concerning the future and it affected our family, we would be excited, would we not, to wake up and to go and share that with our family. We'd want them to know what God has revealed unto us. We want to discuss with them God's word, God's revelation. Discuss it with them and work out what it all means. We'd be excited to talk about it. I believe that's the simple answer here. Joseph is excited to talk about this with his family. You know, Joseph, he's 17. He's full of youthful excitement, isn't he? Youthful zeal to share with others what God has revealed unto him. God's shown him something and he wants to tell others. He wants his family to know. He's excited to share God's word, God's revelation. It concerned them as much as it concerned him. You know, they were in his dreams. And therefore he couldn't keep it to himself. He was overcome with excitement and also concern as to what it all meant. And he feels compelled to share it with them. And so I think that's the simple understanding here. Instead of accusing Joseph of things that are not in the passage, let's take the simple understanding. He's excited. Youthful zeal. He wants to share it with 
his family. And so Joseph shares these dreams, the word of the Lord, the revelation of God with his family, and we see their reactions here, don't we? We see, first of all, the reaction of the brothers. And their reaction is twofold. It's one of hatred and envy. Their hatred is clearly seen in verses 5 and 8. Verse 5, it says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And then in verse 8, <clears throat> it says, And his brethren said, said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. The first reaction is hatred, isn't it? You know, Joseph's ten older brothers already hated him, as we've seen. They hated him because he brought home the evil report unto their father. They hated him because he was favoured by their father. So they already hated him, and now as he reveals the dreams, their hatred is only intensified, isn't it? As it says in verse 5 and verse 8, it says, And they hated him yet the more. They hated him even more. It just intensifies, it increases their hatred. You know, the reason for their increased hatred is the fact that they didn't like the implications of the dream. That's the reason they hate him more. They don't like the message of the dream, do they? They don't like the revelation. If you look there in verse 8, it says, And his brothers said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for the dreams. You see, that's the reason why they don't like it. They don't like the fact that the dream implies they're gonna, he's going to reign over them. They don't like the fact that it implies he's going to have dominion over them. You see, his brothers understood perfectly what the dream meant, didn't they? They understood perfectly. And his brothers were offended at the word of the Lord. Do you notice that? They were offended at the word of the Lord, at the revelation of God. They refused to accept it. They refused to accept that one day they would bow down before their younger brother, show obedience to him. They refused to accept that Joseph would ever reign over them. And indeed, as we'll see, they were determined to stop it from ever happening, weren't they? Okay, their actions from now on is, we're going to stop this from happening. You see, basically what we see here with Joseph's brothers is the response that many have to the Word of God, isn't it? This is the response that many have to the revelation of God's Word. See, sadly, not all rejoice when they hear divine revelation, do they? Many instead reject God's Word. Many become angry and they, they hate the Word of God. And the reason they hate it is because of the implications of God's Word. You know, God's Word tells them that God is their Creator. And because God is their Creator, therefore they're accountable to Him. They're sinners and they're lost and on their way to hell. Man does not like the implications of that message. Men do not like hearing the truth and so they hate God's Word and where do they direct their hatred? Towards the messenger. They direct their hatred towards the one who proclaims God's word. Now Christ declared this truth in the New Testament. Go to John 17 with me. John 17 and verse 14 
Christ says, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Christ gave his disciples the word, and the world hated them for it. God gave Joseph the word, divine revelation, and his brothers hated him for it. Beloved, God has given us the word, and the world will hate us for it. The world will. That is the reaction that so many have to the word of God. It's hatred, and they direct their hatred towards the messenger, those who proclaim the word of God. We see, secondly, that their reaction was not only one of hatred, but it was also envy. Go back there, Genesis 37, verse 11. It says, and his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying, his brethren envied him. So not only did they hate him and hate the message, but they envied him as well. The fact that they envied Joseph here tells us that they not only understood the dreams, but they actually themselves believed the dreams too. They believed the dreams. They believed they were from the Lord. That's why they envy him here. Because of what the message proclaims. They envy the fact that God has chosen to speak with Joseph and not them. They envy the fact that God evidently had a special plan for Joseph's life and not them. They envied the fact that God was going to exalt him and they would make obedience to him. They envied him. But the writes these spiritual privileges will always provoke envy from those who did not receive them. But those who envy have no one to blame but themselves for their lack of spiritual privileges. For they've demonstrated repeatedly that they are not interested in spiritual things. You see, this is the case with Joseph's brothers, is it not? They were envious of Joseph. They were envious of the honor that God plainly intended for him. But the truth was they had no one to blame but themselves, did they? No one to blame but themselves. They were living carnal, sinful lives. And therefore, not only had their father exalted Joseph, given him the birthright, but now God has exalted him as well. Joseph was someone God could use. His brothers, on the other hand, were not. And so they only had themselves to blame. You know, this is the same sin that we see Cain has towards Abel, isn't it? Go to 1 John with me. 1 John 3. First John 3 verse 12 declares this, it says, Not as Cain, it was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Cain killed Abel, why? Because his brother was accepted by God and he was rejected. His brother's works were righteous and his were evil. Joseph's brothers here are no different, are they? They're envious of the fact that God has accepted Joseph and rejected them. They're envious. Filled with envy, filled with hatred, and it leads to the events that follow, doesn't it? Because of this sin in their hearts. You know, sadly, envy is a reaction that many of us can be guilty of even today. Envy is the reaction many have when others are used by God, when others are honored by God, blessed by God. Come filled with envy and jealousy that God has chosen to bless others 
instead of them. Beloved, instead of becoming envious and jealous, we should rejoice with them that do rejoice, shouldn't we? We should rejoice with those who are blessed by God. And instead, what it should lead to us doing is examining our own relationship with the Lord, shouldn't it? Joseph's brothers here, what they should have done was examine, okay, why is God not blessing me like this? Examine their own hearts before the Lord. And so we see the reaction of his brothers. It's hatred and envy. And now we see the reaction of Jacob. As with his brothers, Jacob's, sorry, as with the brothers, Jacob's reaction here is twofold. It's one of rebuke and then observance. Just look first of all there in verse 10. We see the reaction, his first reaction, sorry. Verse 10 it says, And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him. And said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And so verse 10, we see the first reaction. We're told that Jacob rebukes him. Rebukes him. Now the question is, why does Jacob rebuke Joseph here? Why does he rebuke him for revealing this dream? Now we know from his second reaction in verse 11, at the end there it says, but his father observed the saying. We know from his second reaction that he understood this was a message from the Lord. He believed it to be a prophetic message, a revelation from God, a prophetic dream. And so why then does he rebuke Joseph for sharing God's revelation with the family? Why does he rebuke him? Well, it seems that the rebuke of Joseph here is more for the way that he shares the message rather than the message itself. It's for the way that he shares the message. The message. You see, when he asked these questions of Joseph here in verse 10, he asked this, he says, and it said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy father, uh, mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? These questions that he asks of Joseph in verse 10, it's, it's almost as if he says to Joseph, Joseph, do you understand the implications of this dream? Joseph, do you understand what you are saying? Joseph, do you understand how offensive this may be to your family, this revelation? You see, Joseph, as we said earlier, with great excitement, great boldness, great zeal, he's come in, he's revealed these dreams unto his family, and it seems that there's been a bit of a lack of tact in the way that he went about it. You know, it's true that the Word of God at times can be offensive, but we must make sure that we are not offensive in our delivering of the message. That we don't cause offense by the way we deliver it. And it seems that Jacob's rebuke here of Joseph is because of his lack of tact. He had been too bold, too zealous, and he was causing offense. And Jacob could see it. Jacob's reading the room. He could see that it's causing offense. And so he rebukes Joseph here, not only to teach Joseph something, you know, that there is tact that's needed when delivering a message, but also perhaps to diffuse the situation as well. You know, he rebukes Joseph to try and diffuse what he can see is boiling, this anger, this hatred, this envy. It's at boiling points. And so he rebukes him to try and diffuse this situation. 
And after this rebuke of Joseph, we're told in verse 11, it says, but his father observed the saying. This is his second reaction. He observes the saying. And this speaks to us of the fact that Jacob received and he then pondered the message. These words are very similar to what we read in the New Testament concerning Mary. Just turn over to Luke chapter 2 with me. Luke 2 and verse 18, uh, first of all, it says, And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then if you drop down to verse 49, it says, And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the sayings which he spake unto them, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. In both these passages here we read that Mary kept all these things, all these sayings in her heart. She pondered them. The first passage, it's the the words of the shepherds. In the second passage, it's the words of the Lord Jesus himself. But Mary responded by pondering the words in her heart. She realized that they were important. She realized it was from the Lord and she didn't fully understand it, but she hid it in her heart and she pondered it. She meditated upon it. That's the same idea here with Jacob as we read that he observed the saying. The words translated observed here and kept in Luke chapter 2, they're very similar in meaning. They all mean to watch, to keep, to ponder. And that's the point here. Jacob pondered the words of his son. He pondered the revelation of God. Now at the time Jacob didn't fully understand what it all meant. He didn't understand how it was all going to come to pass, how it was all going to be fulfilled. But he recognized they were important words. He recognized that this was the revelation of God. It was something not to just be cast off and rejected and forgotten. It was something to be remembered. And so he pondered it, he observes it, he meditates upon it, he keeps it in his heart. And beloved, Jacob's attitude, Jacob's reaction here of observing the saying is the reaction we all are to have towards the word of God. And this is the right reaction, isn't it? The brothers had the wrong reaction, hatred and envy. Jacob has the right reaction. He observes the saying. That's to be our reaction to the word of God. But we must realize the importance of God's word and hide it in our hearts. Ponder the words of God. Meditate upon them so that God in his time might give us understanding and so that God might strengthen us through his word. May the Lord help us today to always respond in the right way to God's revealed word. Receive it as truth. Hide it in our hearts so we might be strengthened and encouraged in our service for the Lord. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you once more for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, for Joseph, this godly young man. And we thank you for the dreams that you gave to him. Lord, dreams that he was able to look to and find strength in. All through those years of affliction, Lord, he kept his eyes upon you and upon your word. And Lord, may you help us to 
do the same thing. May we react to your word by hiding in our hearts. And Lord, no matter what the circumstances are, may we keep our eyes firmly fixed upon you and find strength in you and in your revealed word unto us. Lord, bless as we close now this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.